Okay, time now. She joins us each and every Wednesday for checking the latest COVID headlines. Here's vaccine researcher and family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, joins us once again here on Global News Radio. Doctor, good afternoon. Nice to have you with us as always. Okay, we're going to start with uh, reports that COVID is apparently spreading faster in our schools than last year among staff, among students. And do we seriously need, do you think, Dr. Gorfinkel, to take another look at a return to the classroom? I think we're going to have to examine it sooner than we want to. If we look at what's coming down the pipe in terms of numbers, this year we're seeing six times the number of students infected than we had at this time last year. And understand that, what does that translate into? So you've got about one out of 20 schools dealing with infections right now. And what are we, one week after school started? So that is hugely concerning. And why does that not come as a surprise? Well, kids under 12 are fully unvaccinated. That's why. Plus you add to it the Delta variant, which we know that people have over a thousand times more virus in their nose. So it's far, far more contagious. You know, it's amazing that cases can be detected now at day four. One year ago, they, wouldn't, they weren't even detectable until day six. So these are huge differences in averages. So people are getting sicker, we think possibly, we don't know, kids are still not getting, they're not, but it is pretty concerning what we're seeing. Sure, yeah, when you hear that number uh, six times, uh, right now it's spreading faster than uh, last year in the classroom. Do you think we're looking at closing schools sooner rather than later? I mean, there's a big headline that's getting a lot of attention from the Toronto Star, that uh, we should be or maybe be closing schools by Thanksgiving, which is not that far off. You know, it's really controversial because we know that school closures cause real harm. And, you know, we all, I think we're pretty much all on board with this. Schools are the last thing that should close. Businesses, bars, restaurants, things like that have to come before school. Schools are the last thing we want to close. And we do have certain things in place, but you know, we, we, right? So how are we going to manage with the aerosol spread? That's a big thing. And what about mandates for teachers? They're still not mandated to get vaccinated. And as I mentioned, we have all the under 12s who are unvaccinated. So there's a lot of moving parts. And how, you know, how, are people listening when they say you have to wear a mask? You know, personally, I see a lot of kids standing and waiting for the bus. None of them are wearing masks. So I'm not sure what's happening in the schools. One can only hope that they are, in fact, when they get into the school wearing the masks. But don't forget, as we were talking about last week, what do we have? Sporting events, choirs happening, cafeterias are wide open. They're supposed to be socially distanced, but is that easy to, to enforce with kids? I, I just don't know. A lot of moving parts to this. Without a doubt. And also uh, reports uh, we're seeing out of Israel that uh, 10% of students in Israel now suffering from long COVID. And Dr. Gorfinkel, is that not our biggest fear that this is something that uh, might affect our kids uh, well into or maybe even for the rest of their lives? Yeah, long COVID is a real concern. These are when symptoms last beyond 28 days. So most people, actually 50% of children who have COVID have no symptoms. But according to this new Israeli study, some 11% 
had long COVID symptoms. Now, to be fair, this is Israel. Can it be confounded by the fact that literally thousands of rockets from Hamas were landing on the population? Yes, I think that could be a confounding thing. But they have the same confounders that other societies are dealing with too, which is how do you tease out you know, school closures and the mental health effects of relative quarantines and isolations on kids? These are, these are all difficult things. But then on the other hand, that number 11% is hugely concerning. So let's translate what that means into numbers. So in Israel, you had some 200,000 kids. So you do the math and you wind up with 22,000 cases. You wind up with quite a lot of cases when you're talking 11% of long COVID. And that's already going to tax an already taxed, overly taxed, you know, healthcare system dealing with mental health services and the delivery of physical services as well. All right. You talk about that overtaxed healthcare system, and we're joined by Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, vaccine researcher, family physician. I want to ask you about that uh, here back here in Canada, because as ICUs continue to uh, fill up, there is now an ongoing discussion as to whether or not COVID patients, Dr. Gorfinkel, and this is a tough question, should they continue to get priority when it comes to uh, treatment in ICUs over others that uh, are there for a completely entirely different reason? So even before the pandemic, let's turn the clock back just a tiny bit. We're talking a few years. You know, this is a huge ethical question and a dilemma. You have a limited number of ICU beds. Who gets to decide which of those sick patients get the bed? And this is what we know works the best. It should not be the healthcare worker who's looking after that patient. Ideally, you would have a team that is separate because we know that healthcare workers, when tasked with that decision, cannot make the decision that saves the most lives. So the mindset in a pandemic is actually very different than when it's not a pandemic. So not pandemic thinking is easy. I have a patient in front of me, that patient has to get that bed. It's first come, first serve. But in a pandemic, the question is, how am I going to save the most lives? What can I do? to really rescue the most people. So Alberta is greatly struggling with this because some of their predictions and modeling suggest that hospital systems will be overwhelmed within the next two weeks. That's really frightening. If it's gonna be two weeks or if it's gonna be a month, that they're going to have to make some pretty tough decisions about who gets what healthcare bed. That's pretty tricky stuff. So how they determined it? Well, they have provincial guidelines. And basically they say one thing, it's not going to be based on age. Surprisingly, it's not going to be based on that, which is based on race. It's not going to be based on gender. It's going to be based solely on medical problems that that person has. And from that, they're going to try to determine who has the best possibility of living the longest. So they're not at that now, but they're worried that that could come within a month or so. Sure. So our healthcare decision makers uh, right now, they are still uh, going by. We're in the midst of a fourth wave. We've got to get through this pandemic. COVID has been and will continue to be the priority. And can you see some time in the near future when hopefully we're through the fourth wave and maybe in the back end of this uh, pandemic uh, where priorities uh, change when it comes to ICUs? Well, let's put it this way. What we have in Ontario is very different than Alberta. First of all, more of our population has been vaccinated. 
Secondly, we have way more hospitals than they do. So the way Ontario has handled the situation is, fine, if one ICU is filled, we've just shifted those patients to a different ICU. And that, that has worked. As far as the future goes, like, am I optimistic? Yes, but, but I, like everybody, I'm biting at the bit to get that, the younger kids vaccinated. Because right now, we've said this, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And there's no getting around that. You look at the metrics, even the case numbers, 80% in Ontario are the unvaccinated. You look at hospitalizations, it's a very small fraction who are fully vaccinated. You know, so who winds up in the hospital? Who winds up in the ICU? Those who have not been vaccinated. You know, so it's a serious problem. Even looking at Israel, like you don't have to look just in Canada. You can look across the world and you see a similar kind of thing. 56% of cases in Israel are now students. You know, they're all, they're all under 18. You know, so of course the under 12 year olds haven't been vaccinated at all. That's a serious problem because even if a small percentage of them, say it's one out of a thousand of them that wind up in a hospital, which is about the current number, right? It's about one in a thousand who will wind up in hospital. But that cannot be dismissed when you have a million kids getting infected. That's a serious problem. All right, we got to get a, a quick a break. When we come back, Dr. Gorfinkel, I know you've been getting a lot of questions personally about uh, testing, COVID uh, testing. What is the right test? Uh, does it differ from person to person? Is there a test that's uh, more accurate than, than another? We'll uh, try to answer those questions when we come back after this break with Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, vaccine researcher here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink. 